0: What's up everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vane Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller. Today we got on Chad Houseworth and Chad is a taxidermist out of PA. And we're going to be talking about uh, kind of best practices for if you do kill something, you trap something, you shoot something with a gun, with your bow, whatever. We're going to be talking about best practices to bring that in. And I thought this was Chad had reached out to me and said, Hey, I think this might be a good idea. I was like, yep. It sounds like a great idea and uh, and especially with seasons opening up everywhere and and you know everybody's got their eyes set on that that deer of a lifetime so um i thought that this would be good cuz especially you know if you haven't shot one in a while or whatever you're going to shoot it and you're going to be like oh crap what do i do like who do i call like you know all that kind of stuff so we're going to talk about that today um before we get there just a couple quick notes um from the partners here at deer vane which would be onyx maps vector custom shop and venado Venato makes awesome lifestyle apparel, flannels, uh, hoodies, sweatshirts, like their cold weather stuff is really, really nice, but they also make some great concealed carry stuff. Uh, Onyx Maps, if you don't know Onyx Maps, you know, private public land boundaries, maps that work on, on and offline. It's a GPS mapping app for your phone. Drop waypoints. You can share those waypoints with friends. Great overall, just like scouting tools, spending lots of time on it right now. And then lastly, Vector Custom Shop. They make custom arrows, custom to your bow, your draw length, your draw weight, um, and exactly what type of, or generally speaking, what type of animals you're hunting, whether it's, you know, little tiny coos deer, or if it's, you know, giant moose, they'll kind of figure out what arrow works best for you. So if you have, if you're if you're in need of arrows, Vector Custom Shop, great guys. All right. So with that, hopping into the podcast, how's it going, Chad? Thanks for joining me from the truck
1: good
0: thank you i'm glad to be here this is yeah. my this is kind of my quiet spot so yeah no makes sense sneak out of the house jump yeah. into the hump uh hop into the truck so then you know no one's no one's running through the the background at trying to talk exactly asking right. questions yeah exactly dad 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 are you do you have kids i don't even know i don't have kids no oh, okay. i mean
1: but i do not have children
0: so. <laughs> okay gotcha Yep. all right cool yep. cool so Chad, this is like for everybody listening like i've talked to chat a little bit before but so you're out of upper eddie pennsylvania Upper, upper Black Black, eddie. Actually, yep. okay gotcha yep. and that's like east southeast pa yeah
1: like an hour north of philadelphia yep i'm right in bucks county i'm literally 10 minutes from new jersey and that's it's kind of like my town is not big, but that's the name of it. There's not a lot going on here.
0: <laughs> gotcha. Okay. And then taxidermy wise, hunting wise, like give me a rundown on your bio.
1: Um, I've been hunting since I was 12 here in PA. Uh, I started bow hunting when I was probably like 15, I guess, cause I couldn't drive yet. And, um, I'm 31 now. So I've been hunting, bow hunting for 15 or 16 years now, but, um, yeah, uh, taxidermy I started, I think, 2012 or 13, so that's, you know, going on 11, 10, 11 years now, and um, I compete with my taxidermy and stuff, I go to the Pennsylvania show, and I go to, New Jersey's got canceled the last two years because of COVID, but I used to go to New Jersey show also, and compete there, and it's kind of what I do, it's not what I do full-time yet, I do landscaping full-time, but I do taxidermy, I'm trying to do taxidermy full-time, that's kind of where I'm headed, so.
0: Gotcha, but, Okay. What is is and is it just like flat out dollars to get the taxidermy full time? It's dollar, yeah, just number of mounts to make
1: money because it's it's tough this this last couple years here. It's tough. The supply prices are going up and it's hard. Like you got to keep charging more and people don't want to keep paying more, (laughs) but you're not (laughs) not making any more money. It's just I got to do it to not lose money.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 I remember. The first deer I ever mounted, um, I was in college, and it was, it was a killer deal at 350 bucks for the full of shoulder mount. And yeah. I know nowadays it's looking, what is it like, 650 something like that. I
1: mean, around here you're anywhere from like I charge
0: 800 or eight, I'll probably go
1: up to 825 actually this year, but okay. I charged eight last year and but there's people that are still 650 or and and there's people also that I know within an hour from here that are 1200. So you, it, it's a very big range. And I don't, sure. I, personally, I don't know how you can make money at like even at 650 or so. Cause like, it's for the amount of time that you have into it, it's, you're not making a whole lot unless you're doing a ton, right. a ton of deer.
0: Yeah, no, I, yeah, I could see that. I mean, how long does it? Like if somebody brings you in, uh, brings you. I'm just trying to think of the well, whatever. I was trying to think of a, a logical series of like questions to ask you to like go from start to beginning, but I don't. I don't feel like doing that. So yeah. like when you're, well, how long does it take you from, you know, uh, from, from when someone brings it in and you're spending time on it? Yeah, walk me through that.
1: From you know the phone, you Like obviously you have a phone call in the beginning. That's amount of time to work on it. You have when they drop it off. You got to hear a story again. So that's another hour, half hour anyway. <laughs> you know, I usually just skin them if they whatever they have, whatever they brought me, I skin it out the rest of the way and freeze it. And that's it for that that day or whatever. Unless it's frozen, then I thaw it and skin it and refreeze it. And I try and just do that to get through stuff until the winter time when I have more time to to tan them. I do all my own tanning and stuff. But gotcha. so you got whatever two hours just say from fresh killed deer until it's in the freezer and then i have another probably 3 hours of getting it ready to be tanned flushing it thinning it all that stuff salting it you got a couple days of it being in the tan itself which you don't really have to do anything just kind of stir it around but you're it's still time and then once it's tanned you got probably like 8 or 10 hours in mounting it probably 8 hours in mounting it if it goes well and then you got another 2 hours or so in finishing it so you're in, you're ending up with a good 24 25 hours at least into it start you know start to finish and then when the guy shows up to to pick it up you get the story again and talk again so
0: (laughs) holy cow yeah i had no idea because i mean if you look at um like professional tradesmen like people who are really good at their craft like a really good plumber or a really good carpenter like a union plumber like it's it's not a lot for them to come in not even a union plumber but even like your residential plumber. You call a guy to come up. Like I had to have a guy come over. Uh, my basement had a leak. He came over and he was like, "Yeah, just to go to your house, I charge one hundred and twenty dollars." And then after yeah. that, it's eighty bucks an hour, mm-hmm. right? So if you're looking yeah. at twenty five bucks, twenty five hours, and eighty yeah. and eighty bucks an hour, you know you're not making that money because you'd be looking no. at like a two thousand dollar taxidermy bill,
1: right?
0: <laughs> right? Like For I, one animal. Like I a couple of years ago.
1: I went up a lot in price, which you like most taxidermists go up twenty five to fifty, maybe seventy five dollars a year or whatever, just to give yourself a raise, whatever. Like anybody else gets a raise every year, but yeah. like a couple of years ago, I did the math, and the amount of time I was spending per deer, like I was making like ten dollars an hour, And I'm like this is ridiculous. Like I got to change something because like I was, I do pretty much all of my deer. I do essentially the same way I do my competition deer, with the exception of a few things that aren't that important but like it's a lot of work and time to be making ten dollars an hour and i'm doing it in my free time after work so i don't need to be yeah. doing that the price is up and to try and make i mean make it worth my time anyway i enjoy it but i don't want to do it for free
0: right yeah 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 no that makes a lot of sense that's wild i mean i never even thought about it right because i always just assumed like if you drop it off you pay your 800 bucks and then I don't know. I, I just assumed that probably three to four hundred dollars, like fifty percent of it went into cost and fifty percent went to the went to the guy. Yeah. Um but and even if he makes four hundred dollars but he puts in twenty-five, you know, hours, yeah. It's, it's under it's under twenty bucks an hour. Yeah. You know, and it's like holy cow, now that you put it in that perspective, that gives and me it- that that gives me a lot more <laughs> a lot more because like yeah i was just thinking about that like uh i was talking to my neighbor today he was like yeah if i like if i shoot one over 150 i'll probably mount it if it's under 150 i'll euro mount it but euros are expensive and i'm like i know i paid you know 150 bucks for one the other year but but now like that's not even a lot when you talk about the amount of hours that go into it no and even
1: like even you know just like your numbers the 400 and the 400 like the $400 after material, you're still taking out your overhead of your electric for the lights on, the freezers, the, yeah. you know, just the, the um, you know, the air conditioning or heating or whatever, like all that stuff, that all yeah. cuts into a little bit too. And oh yeah. And all your equipment,
0: uh, all your tools. Yeah. You know, wow. Stuff you got to
1: buy never lose or break. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. Got to try again. And then yeah. you got guys who, man, I want to get into, I want to, I want I would like to ask these uh, questions, but I know when a a friend, a friend of a friend, is a taxidermist, and he was like, when I drop my deer off, he's he was like, yeah, you can pay. Like I would really like it if you could pay half now and then half later. Um, and I was like, yeah, do you want me to just cut you the whole check right now and we'll just call it done and I just pick it up? He's like, yeah, that'd be fantastic. No one does that. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, if I like, I have people who literally like their, their mount has been sitting here for four months. They're still not here and they still haven't paid me. Yeah. Right. And like factor that in not getting paid. You're not right. And, and like, for me, the way
1: I do it because of still doing landscaping, the way I do it is like in the wintertime when we're not really working at work, unless it's snowing, I'm just tanning everything. Well, I don't get paid for tanning. I only get paid for the mount. So, like, I still got to buy all the tanning materials and do all my time doing that, and I don't get paid till the end of it. So, like, all during the wintertime, for me, the way I do it, if I were doing it full-time, obviously, it'd be different. I'd, I'd have a better flow. But, like, yeah. just because it takes so much time to tan, when I'm busy in the spring and the summer, I don't have time to tan. They get stuff out the thaw and everything. Right. So, I, I like, I can mount a deer on a Saturday in the summer. And that's not a big deal. But – to tan, I gotta get it like it takes a day ish, t- you know, twelve or fourteen yeah, walk,
0: hours. Walk me oh. through the walk me through the process of tanning. Like no one's I know I know generally what it is, but no one's ever are never taken the time to like look up exactly what that process yeah.
1: is. So like for a deer, like for a, a it would be called a wet tan for a deer, um a am deer mouth, you obviously have the raw deer that you skinned off the head the skull and then you have to take and take all the meat off the ears all the meat off the lips the nose the cartilage out of the nose and the ears and there's a like the around the eye there's like a lot of i don't know what it would be called like tissuey muscly stuff that kind of sticks to the skin you got to get rid of all that and then you thin it on a flushing machine it's a, a round wheel knife then you and you take the skin back and forth i'm moving but obviously you guys can't see that yeah, But you, yeah and forth and take the chunks off of just, just thin the skin down. Then you salt it overnight to get all the moisture out of it, pulls all the moisture out of the skin. And then for like three days, it goes into what's called a pickle, which is like an a acid and some salt and degreaser and all that stuff and water. And it soaks in there for three days. You take it out, thin it again because it'll the skin will plump and back up. It'll get like twice as thick as it was. You thin it again then it goes back into the pickle for another day or two or it can go in there as long as you want after that and then you take it out and then you neutralize it which because of the acid you have to make it back to neutral and then you tan it brush the tan on or there's submersible tan there's all kinds of different tanning solutions i use brush on and then it sits overnight and then it's either ready to mount or you can freeze it for put it back in the freezer till a later date but at that point it's ready to mount it's ready to go
0: it's preserved what? huh yeah what uh what does the pickling like what does it do when it's
1: and cit- that it, it's like a chemical i mean you can use citrica it's an acid thing and it just i don't really know i don't know the the chemical side to it i just know that it that's what is preserving the skin it's killing all the bacteria in the skin and it's making it so that the tan can it, i guess it opens the fibers in the skin so that the tan can Penetrate the skin is kind of how I enter, understand it. And then the tan is what makes the leather, makes it usable leather.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That's what, that's all right. That's so, that's, yeah, I had no idea how that worked. So and, then, and then, oh, go ahead. I was just
1: going to say a, a lot of guys, you like, there's a thousand different ways to do this. Like, that's just the way I do it. There's guys that use dry preserve, there's guys that use different types of tanning methods than what I do. So that's not the only, only way to do it. That's just what I do.
0: Yeah. No, i it so. so why do you, why have you chosen that way? Like what, have you tried the other ways and you're like, oh, I just like this way. I think it's faster. I think it's higher quality. What do you think the,
1: I, the tanning, the chemicals and materials that I use,
0: I think give you the best finished product. They're like the top of the line that you can buy.
1: And the reason I do it that way is because that's how I was taught when I started. And it's kind of just, that's what I learned. That's what I'm comfortable with. And that's what I do. I didn't, I never ventured in anything else because I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't want to mess it up and I know what I'm doing with that. So
0: <laughs> so it works, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So is that, I imagine that's like something, do you talk about that with other taxidermists at the shows that you at go to?
1: And I talk, like, if I have a question, I'll call somebody on the phone and be like, Hey, what?" what am I doing wrong or what can I do different or whatever for tanning, for mounting, for anything. And I have a, a pretty big network of people that I can pull from to, to, and there's guys that try and get me to try other stuff. Oh, this would work a lot better. or This would work. This worked for me. And sometimes I do try it. And sometimes I'm kind of like, eh, I don't want to venture too far from what I'm comfortable with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I that would make sense. I've just, yeah, I have to imagine it's like, um, like for guys who do competition taxidermy like there's got to be some some nuanced secrets in there that they just like hold on to that they know like I'm sure you have a few of those too where you're like oh yeah Every,
1: everybody has their own thing and and has their own little like they they do seminars at these shows so the guys that are you know top very high-end winners and everything they'll tell you their their tips or whatever their tricks but like they never tell you everything obviously they're going to tell you they're going to tell you 80 percent of it but they're not going to tell you and that's right. just that's all part of it it's fun it's that's that's the whole deal but
0: no yeah that makes sense uh so then that's why that's why i was curious if like that tanning process you're like there's a bunch of ways to do it if like people who compete are like Oh, you tan like that? Well, I tan like this. And that's probably why my shit looks better than yours or whatever. Like, you know. I would say the majority of people do it the same way that I do it.
1: Just okay. because the, like the chemicals that are the 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 supplier that supplies the chemicals that everyone uses is like the top line. That's the most popular one. Like there's a few others that are pretty high up also, but that one's probably the most popular Pretty much anybody you talk to that's winning stuff is using their materials and their products. Yeah, they're all all doing pretty much the same thing I'm doing.
0: Hmm. Okay. I want to ask you about the taxidermy shows, and I want to get into that. But before we do, I think um, jumping back to like the whole point of the, uh, or not the whole point, but the main portion, the main subject of our conversation today. If like look, walk me through best practices, if I shoot, if I shoot a really nice buck and it's like, yep, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm mounting this thing. I found it, it's dead, laying there. Um, and like I go to gut it out. Like walk me through the the process that you want people to follow.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So the first thing is if you're gutting it, what I tell everyone and what I do anyway, but you when you're going up, you know from the belly up, just stop, like stop the knife as soon as you hit the rib cage. You need to go up, you know, when you don't go through the sternum with the knife, because a lot of guys want to slice it all the way up through the brisket, and that's just unnecessary work for me to fix. So I just <laughs> stop there, like. Stop at the brisket and if you got to get the lungs and the heart out, you just reach up in there and pull them out instead of cutting it all the way open and splitting the sternum. I don't know if that's a thing everywhere. That's what people around here do.
0: It really? Me yeah, I have never.
1: They'll, they'll take I, their buck and go right up through the sternum to the, to the, that little swirly hair on the brisket.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. No, I don't do that. But no, I've never see. seen anyone do that. Um, uh, not that i like...
1: Everybody around here does it. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a thing, I guess. I don't know.
0: Because then it makes it easier
1: to get at the vitals. It makes it easier to get everything out. Yeah. But it, it sucks for me trying to put it back together.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You want to do it
1: with your nose or whatever. That's fine, but not a buck. I don't, I don't do it. It's (laughs) just easier. Plus it just kills your knife blade going up through those, those rib bones and stuff. But
0: yeah. I mean, you're a, yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't know why that's a thing, but it is. I tell (laughs) 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 That's like my (laughs) biggest. All
0: right. That's good to know. So do not. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, if, if somebody out there listening to this and they're like, dude, I always cut the sternum because then I can just reach in and grab everything. Like you can just cut the diaphragm and just reach right up there, grab the esophagus, cut it. And everything just peels right out anyway. It's, like
1: that's what you do. I think that's faster, honestly, and less messy than, than going up and cutting everything apart. But that's yeah, unless volume.
0: you have like the whole, um, what is the, God, why can't I think of the name of it? The edge something edge rocky edge edge the knife system where you get like a little uh, oh, the, like, like a havalon type of thing, like no It's not, yeah, it's not that, but it was like it was forever when I was a kid and I used to watch um, outdoor channel or sportsman channel all the time. There was a knife set that like sponsored everybody, and it was like this little set and it come with a saw, come with like a skinning knife and a gutting knife, and you know, another yeah. like fin- finesse knife or whatever why i can't think of it it's like edge Um, something um but uh but yeah i've never like people people will also like oh you don't bring anything to to crack open the pelvis and i'm like no you just kind of like work through it you know and i'm like i "I, do you bring a saw into the woods they're like yeah i cut open the ribs and then i cut open the pelvis and i'm like sounds like a lot of work for (laughs) dull blades man (laughs) like I'm lucky if I have a knife with me.
1: Half the time I shoot here. I get back <laughs> to the truck, but I don't carry along a whole toolkit.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. No shit. And even when I do, like, yeah, I don't have I maybe I should be more prepared, but I do not have a toolkit. I have uh, like my kill, like my kill kit is a knife and uh I think that's it like <laughs> it's just I usually, for well, what once yeah. season starts i'll have a little backpack in the back seat
1: with like a headlamp some rubber gloves and my knife and that's and a drag rope and that stays yeah. in the back seat and i don't take it with me till i kill something i'm not i mean i don't know about where you're at we're hunting small parcels here i'm only like a couple hundred yards from the truck most of the time <laughs> I'll just pull it back, okay
0: but. yeah and that's like you know i talked to bo martonic who's in pa and johnny stewart who's in pa and those guys hunt these, like, big woods, right? Yeah. Big, giant woods. So, like, yeah, a mile or two miles for them isn't a lot. But I, I agree. Like, I mean, a lot of times I won't – like, they kill – they call it a kill kit for if you go west, if you go elk hunting and middle deer hunting and all that stuff. Um, And so I have, like, since that, I have this little kill kit, which w- – I do hunt a bunch of public out here. And and the one thing I will say is I do keep a garbage. I keep a garbage bag with my knife and I don't know, some rope and some other random, maybe some paper towel or something. Um, Because then what, what I do, if I like shoot a doe, I haven't shot a buck on public in years, but when I shoot the does, I will just like quarter them up, drop them into my pack in the gar, I put the, put the garbage bag in my pack as if it's a liner. And um, my pack is big enough to hold pretty darn close to a whole deer. It's it's not uh, it's not an ideal scenario. It's it's heavy, but you can do it. <laughs> better, better than dragging one for a mile or whatever, too. Yeah. So. Oh yeah, unless you got like a cart. Yeah, there's there's guys that hunt out by me, and there's a railroad track on one of the pieces of public, and you'll see like on gun on gun opener, these guys will just literally uh, every truck will have a cart in the back that's like locked or Mm -hmm. it's got a top or whatever you can just see their cart because they just drag it to the railroad and then they haul like that's how they get them out yeah i i have one of those that we uh me and my grandfather
1: built actually we built it out of um like old push lawnmower handles yeah yeah it's like i mean it's just like the ones you would buy but we built it when i was probably like 16 or 17, I use it every year. That, that thing has holding out hundreds of deer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That's it's cool.
1: Because I really, like really most of cool. the places I hunt are either fields or close to the road. So, like, I'll all I got to do is, depending on where it's at, I'll just either drag it to the road and go get the cart or go get the cart and take the deer in the cart right down the road. And no worries, but yeah, that's yeah. that that's probably the next thing as far as getting your deer out is a big thing. If you shoot one for t- getting mounted, is you don't want to drag it six miles and have all the hair pulled off the shoulders. That's <laughs> another big pet of mine.
0: Got it. Yeah, yeah. Great, great transition there, Chad. Way to way to bring that back. We got off on the tangent. <laughs> way to bring that back. All right. So first thing, gutting it. Don't go through up through the sternum. Don't go up through the ribcades. You want to leave all that nice hair alone so that it's easier to work with. Um. Second thing. If you do intend on mounting it, don't drag it out on the railroad tracks where all the hair on one side is going to be gone.
1: Right.
0: Definitely don't do that.
1: And I mean, it's if you, I try and tell people like keep the head up and you'll keep, like if you pull the hair off the ribs, it's not a big deal, but you want to keep their shoulders
0: intact
1: if you can help it, keep them up off the ground as much as you can just obviously it's not possible if you're hunting two miles back like it is there's it is what it is but it's always best to keep it in a better condition if you can help it
0: yeah yeah for sure so then if uh if if people are doing what what i do where i actually like quarter it out back there um how far back like is that a scenario where you're like dude don't quarter it out and and do your best to like haul it out of their hole Or is it a scenario where you're like, well, if you're going to do that, this is how you need to cut everything. It's like, I, I mean, let's see, try and process here. The
1: best thing that I would say to do, if you're going to quarter it out is it's going to be tough to skin it out the way, the way that I like, if you're out West, obviously everyone just cuts right down the back of the neck to the back of the head. And that's easy to skin out that way. Mm-hmm. which you can do that i don't want deer like that that drives me nuts because i don't like to sew i cut real little incisions to get the antlers out of the head so i don't have that whole but like I, so i do what's called tubing my deer like i'll go when you start guiding a deer you go up you know through the belly you get to that sternum i do a circle right there around the deer and i take that whole thing front so I, like i'll for my personal deer or for, if I tell my customers, because I can always get rid of it if I have too much. I can't add what isn't there. Right. Okay. So like, if you, you cut it off too short, then you're kind out of out of luck. But if I have, you know, if you leave me an extra foot, I can get rid of that. That's not a big right. deal.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't make, magically make fur grow. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> right. It's the thing with the arms. Everybody always
1: cuts the armpits out. I leave, I tell everyone, leave the whole leg. In, like the you know you can cut like from the elbow down obviously off yeah but leave that yeah. whole front leg i can cut that off like i can or any taxidermist can it's very easy to get rid of stuff but you can't make it come back
0: got it yeah okay so yeah, i mean i do have a hunt in colorado at the end of september and mm-hmm. I, if i if i'm lucky enough to sh- shoot a nice bull that i want to mount essentially like where the where that sternum uh, starts from when you, when you gut it um yeah. i don't know we'll probably do a gutless method with the elk but um it's essentially like behind the front shoulder and forward yeah right? you yeah. want that whole I, I try and stay like on a deer like probably six inches behind
1: the front shoulder on an elk's obviously a bigger scale but yeah i've never i've never skinned an elk i've, I've mounted a couple of elk but they obviously came to me caped right. out from the eyed or whatever
0: so okay but yeah yeah i mean because mule deer guys do that blacktail guys do that elk moose like a lot of these guys you know you you pack those out so then you say don't cut don't cut up the armpit how do Mm -hmm. you so in my head like i would run up to the sternum just like you said do that whole loop around like you said as well around the entire body and then you start like essentially peeling that forward and you're going to get to the armpit at some point can you make a slice from that armpit all the way down to essentially like the knee to, yeah. be to peel it around that leg?
1: So what I do is i like i like you do a circle around that around the knee or whatever and and cut the bottom half of the leg off mm-hmm. and and then if you want to like you can get the you can get it out if without cutting the leg, it's just a lot more hassle like it'll come out. it's just a pain. But if you go up the back side of the leg, like there's where the white hair meets, brown hair on the side of the leg or it's the back side of the leg it would be the outside you can just slice up go up there and go straight back to your the back end where you cut it does the ring and then you can peel it around the brisket and peel it around the front and it'll all just be one piece and that'll be if you're doing a regular shoulder mount that's off the mount anyway so it doesn't matter if you're doing a pedestal mount it's not a big deal to put those legs back together with the you know the little short legs on a pedestal mount
0: gotcha okay
1: and then, like I said, that like those armpits, everybody for some reason they always cut them out. I don't know how that happens or why, but that's that's like a big thing that's always missing too.
0: Gosh. Okay. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. I've never done that. So I have no idea. It's interesting. Every year I say I'm
1: going to make a video, whether even if it's a dough, I say I'm going to make a video and, and, then I shoot a doe and it's, you know, September 20th and it's 80 degrees. And I'm like, I'm not making a video now. And then I just never do it
0: while I'm getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. I'm just, and it's nine 45 at night. I got to work tomorrow and I'm just trying to get through, get this deer out of the woods. Exactly. Um. Okay. Got it. So, so from the back, from the behind the shoulder forward around the legs, and then just essentially, I mean, are you cutting all the way up? Are you, yeah, because so then there's got to be a cut that goes all the way up to the head, right? Or no? Well, you, I just roll it, just keep rolling it down till it
1: gets to the. I can get it all the way down right to the back of the ears. Just and then from I just, rolling it. Yeah, just roll it and keep pulling it out, you know, stretching it and get it. Sure. You can get it down to the antlers or, or whatever and just and, keep okay. If it's, if the deer is hanging, you know, from right. its back feet, usually. Yeah. And, And I can get it all the way down and I'll, like, I'll take my deer off right at that. You can go around that joint right at the base of the skull and pop it, pop the head off that way. And there's no, you know, no cuts from there front. And then I just do a little bit to get the antlers out of the pole.
0: Got it. Okay. So yeah, if you got, if you got one down like out West or on some big track of public or something like that, like that would be tougher to do if it's not hanging but if you yeah. got, if you got the, if you drug the deer out and you got it hanging in the yard or whatever like that. Yeah. So then if you, Oh, go ahead. I was, I have, I
1: have done it on the ground before and I've done it on my tailgate before. Like I actually, I had a, a guy call, I guess he'd never had a deer mounted before. I shouldn't make fun of him. He called, he said, what do you want me to do? I kind of explained this whole deal to him in short form. And I basically said, just cut it off behind the ribs. And then, you know, bring the rest up. Well, he cut the deer in half, brought me the whole half of deer, ribs and bone and neck and all, and brought it in the bed of his truck. And I had to, there was no way to hang it. So I had to lay it on my tent gate and just skin the whole thing out that way. It <laughs> no. The world, but...
0: <laughs> oh, so I had to the way, but it's not easy. <laughs> yeah, no, no, definitely not easy. Um, if, If you have the option, what do you want people to bring you? The whole deer and you can do it? Or do you want people to bring you the cape that they've done? I would, the best way is just cape it off
1: the body and then come like maybe halfway down the neck and just cut the, cut that off. Cause from like halfway down the neck to the head, it gets pretty tricky and it's easy to make cuts. nothing it's, you know, very rarely is it something I can't fix, but like, that's the best. Just give me half the neck and then that's it and i'll do the i can do the you know the face and the tricky stuff because i i i would be less mad if i made the cut and i had to fix it than if you brought it to me all cut up and i have to fix it
0: (laughs) right you're just playing with a needle all all day Yeah, (laughs) which is at least we do (laughs) gotcha okay so essentially get it out of the woods get it hung up cape it halfway to the neck cut it off yeah. at one of those vertebrae and then just essentially bring bring you the upper half right yeah and okay don't drive okay. It around
1: and fuck for three days after you shoot it but <laughs> guys like to do that around here too, show it off which is fine but it's not that great for the mount
0: right yeah so th- that was my next question like how soon like is it should you do it like if i shot it on a saturday night i should bring it to you sunday morning saturday night or sunday morning yeah like depending on
1: I mean, if it's cold in the wintertime, it can go a day or so, but not most of, uh, at least not here. Most of our tree season, you're talking 60 degrees still during the day, at least if not 70 or 80 and 50 or 60 at night, like it's not cold. So it's, it's gotta be taken care of. Or if like, you know, if I'm out of town or something, or if you're on a trip and you just freeze it, like the best thing to do is get it cold, frozen, but you don't want it sitting in ice water either. So it's gotta be not just chucked in a cooler with ice on top of it. Gotcha. The best thing is inside a freezer if you can't bring it right away. Okay. Or if you're out of town or it's closed. Yeah. Or, right or like, like I have a fridge in the garage that I took all the shelves out and I can just, if somebody brings one super like, you know, nine or 10 o'clock at night, super late at night, I can just stuff it in there till the next day and it'll be fine. Cause the fridge is 38 degrees or whatever. So
0: Right. And if you have okay. something like that, fine too. Gotcha. Okay um so so we get it we get it out we get it to you is there anything else in that process where you see people like mess up or Um, yeah it depends on you know what state like pennsylvania has
1: a law it's the stupidest law ever but you're supposed to put your tag through the ear like cut a hole in the deer's ear and put the tag through it attach it that way and like, that, that's not a big deal for me to fix. It's really not, but it's just annoying. Like, it's not necessary. Every other state that I know of, you can just attach it to the leg or the antler or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's got to, like, I can't take anything and it doesn't have a tag on it, which, I mean, I feel like that should be common sense, but I have to tell people that every year. So I guess it's, mm. it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Obviously, all those states are different. So that's, that's just here. But um, the other thing is that, like, in Pennsylvania last year, I think it was, or two years ago, they passed a law that you can't bring any brains or spine or any of that stuff from one state into any state into Pennsylvania. So, like the out-of-state guys, I if I somebody wants to bring me something, it's a lot bigger project to get them. They basically have to do everything, skin it out and skullcap it before they can bring it into Pennsylvania. It can't have any bones or any anything. So that's like right. a whole other problem, but it's for, in inside pennsylvania it's no big deal
0: but right yes and in wisconsin i mean they highly they strongly recommend because of uh, cwd strongly um, recommend that you don't take your deer to other counties mm-hmm. like I, I don't know if it's like can't remember if it's like a flat out law or not i think they were trying to make it a law and then it didn't go through because too many people have hunting properties that are like three, four counties away. Right. And shoot them. And they want to bring them home to the taxidermist by their house. Yeah. So they don't have to drive all that way. Right. Or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, Yeah. I can't remember what the rule was on all that. I've never had to, I've never had to deal with it because everybody that I work with is usually in the same County that I kill that deer. In. So yeah. it just hasn't ever been a, an issue for me um okay so yeah i mean do you think do you recommend like so you don't you recommend that people do not try to skull cap or anything themselves just bring no, I... all that and then just call it do you want people to call you at 10 o'clock at night if that's when they find it and that's when they get it uh it depends on the person like if Correct. it's some random stranger
1: probably not like if i know the guy then i'll but like i'm not it, it's just you know kind of sketchy it's at my house yeah. so like i don't want to random person showing up in the middle of the night right but like i'll, I'll i tr- i encourage people to, t- to text me just because i don't really enjoy talking on the phone <laughs> and i'm I a i'm
0: glad i, I could it. get you on the podcast chat <laughs> yeah. uh, this is different i like
1: i enjoy talking about this but i don't i don't need to talk to some random person about the deer that they, they shot at 10 o'clock at night so <laughs> but right. i'll talk like I'll answer a text message anytime, but I don't answer phone calls after a certain time. But gotcha. you know, I'll, I'll, like, t- I, I honestly haven't had much of that. I've had a few people, but usually they were friends or someone that I'd mounted a deer for before or whatever that, Hey, I just found this thing. You know, I shot it at six o'clock tonight and we just got it out or whatever. But right. I haven't honestly dealt with that very much, but I think most taxidermists just do kind of the next morning thing at that after yeah. that point, like, a lot of guys stay open till 8 or so or stay around you know accessible till 8 or so and then after that it's pretty much the next day but like if it's super hot out i mean like right now it's uh 77 degrees like you can't let a deer sit out overnight at 77 degrees and our season starts in 2 weeks it's not
0: going to be that cold by then so yeah yeah got to get it broke down and get it yeah somewhere cool right cool off right? yeah, yeah. 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 So, okay. Um, is there anything else that people do? Uh, so, I mean, uh, people, the, is there anything else that people do that is f- frustrating to taxidermists? Like you, you mentioned the armpits, you mentioned going through the rib cage. I essentially what I'm trying, what I feel like I'm hearing is don't make unnecessary cuts into any of that. Cause then yeah. it just requires more skinning and then, or I'm sorry, sewing. And then also always leave more, of the Cape than you think just right. you're right. You can't make it up here, but you can cut it off. Uh, exactly.
1: It off. That's, that's the biggest thing. And then, like I said, the the not driving it around in the truck or like, I have a lot of guys that'll say, Oh, well, my garage stays pretty cool. Well, pretty cool is not a refrigerator or a freezer. Like that's, that's <laughs> not the same thing. Like, right. Or hanging on a meat pole in the yard or whatever. Like, it's not, it's not the same. It's just, and, like a lot of times you can save the capes, like they're not rotten, but a lot of times they are rotten and the hair falls out. And then the person either needs to make up their mind if they're going to buy another cape or, or what they're going to do. Like something has to be done at that point or because a lot of times like I have the skull cut out already. So now your your euro amount is pretty much out the window <laughs> and like you want to you know get a reproduction or whatever skull. But so at that point, you're kind of out of luck. But a lot of time, like most of the time, if they're bad enough that they're going to fall apart or, you know, hit the hair fall out, I can tell as soon as they drop it off if it stinks or if it's green or whatever. So, and I, I'm usually like when I first started out, I was, I guess, too shy to tell people that it's no good. So I was just like, oh yeah, it'll be fine. And then like the hair falls out when you're tanning it and you're kind of screwed at that point. Like you're trying to figure out what to do and then. Like when I was younger, I just, I would just buy a new cape out of pocket, a new cape, a new tanned cape was like 250 bucks. And I would just take that money out of pocket and buy one and not even tell the person because I was so scared. I didn't know what they would do. Like, cause I was, you know, only like 22 or three years old. Like I didn't know, I yeah. was like so worried that they would freak out that I was just like, I'll just replace it and they will never know. And it'll be
0: fine. And now everybody's going to know. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm that, yeah. but that's not everybody's cape. It's only a few people that know it's that. Like,
1: <laughs> the last the last four or five years, I've probably had one or two, and they knew that going into it. And other than like, I very rarely have anything bad because like, I if it's bad when it comes there, I just tell them right away. Like, I don't, I'm not wasting my time trying to tan the thing, and then the hair falls out, and I'm out all right. that time, and you still got to figure something else out to do. So.
0: And so, and that happens when you don't cape it out soon enough, when you don't get it cool, cool, cool down down soon enough. the, The minute that deer
1: dies, bacteria starts growing. And like you have all that blood under the skin. And then that's another thing guys do that you shouldn't really do is hose them out or whatever that, or like guys will hang them from the back feet and then stuff ice in there. And all that bloody water goes to their head and up through their skin. And it just, it's just gross bloody water just soaking into the skin and it just grows bacteria like mad
0: no (laughs) shit that's That's a good one yeah i i had no idea because i know people do that they like uh like if it is hot out they're like uh the group of guys that i hunt with they're like yeah hang and hang that and get some ice in it or get some ice and like leave it lay on the ground and get some ice in that chest cavity which if you're hanging and you skin it off, it's perfectly fine to let the ice hang in there because the
1: water will just run right out the esophagus onto the floor. It's no, but no, But you can't have the skin on it and have it hanging with the ice because all that skin will just get trapped inside the head. Like I had a deer come in last year, I think it was. The head was like the size of a basketball because the guy had it hanging upside down for a couple of days and between the ice in it and just hanging there, all the blood rushed to the deer's head, and it was just all blowed up full of blood and it was disgusting and it's very nasty.
0: It's nasty for able, me You able to work dude. with that?
1: Uh, I tried it and it worked. So I guess it wasn't that bad, but it was just disgusting. It was like like raspberry jelly inside the head. It was gross. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah.
0: That was not I could tell you the stories oh, dude. all the bad yeah. stuff. Like on a bad. yeah, on a side note, one of my buddies and this is like this is borderline disgusting but i can understand what you're saying because one of my buddies does uh renov like renovation work it's not renovate it is renovation work but it's um like insurance claim renovations work and he does like a few suicides per year where people kill themselves in the bathtub and he's like you walk in and it's just disgusting Yeah, it's just a bloated human full of water right yeah and he's like and yeah and so i i believe that that that's probably what that deer looked like just bloated so that's a great i mean that's a great point is that the same and that's from the so if you do lay it on the ground and you want to stuff some ice in there um so you stuff some ice in there and just make sure that that ice is going to drain out the ass not the head head right yeah right yeah yeah that would be much better. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> would, uh, would it be a really bad idea to hang it by the neck?
1: Yeah. Don't do that either. I should have said okay. that prior earlier. don't
0: definitely. Cause it'll stretch that. If you hang it by the neck, number
1: one, it'll get rope burn under the jaw and pull hair out, but it'll also just stretch that skin and neck out. And then instead of being, you know, a, like a deer's neck is not that long from the back of its head to the front of its shoulders and then you stretch it out and now it's as big around as a pencil, but it's stretched away out. <laughs> so, And that's hard to get that back into a normal deer shape.
0: Right. Yeah. 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 Get it to fit one of those mounts. Yeah. Actually the deers,
1: and this is something they taught us at the taxidermy uh, shows from the tip of a deer's nose to the back of his skull is the same length as from the back of his skull down his neck to the front of his shoulders. It's, it do- it doesn't look like it would be and le- until you actually do it really yeah no, it's just think. like a just like a freak phenomenon thing in nature huh. it's it, it, in your head it doesn't seem like it's possible but if you actually put a tape measure to it it's usually like exactly or within like an inch <laughs> i
0: don't know <laughs> why that
1: is, but it's just how it is yeah <laughs> so
0: you're saying i got i got one doe on my property who looks like a horse like she just got a real <laughs> and and I haven't noticed it, but now I'm going to look next time. Cause I'm going to be mm-hmm. like, wow, her neck's probably real long too. <laughs> God, fucking giraffe walking around. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, um, all right. So ideally the ideal scenario is, is somebody when you shoot, if, if somebody's like, I'm going to, this is the best deer I'm probably ever going to shoot in my life. It's 180 inches. Like it is a banger buck. And I'm going to do this everything right. I don't care about time. I don't care about sleep. I don't care about work the next day. I am going to find that deer. Say I shoot it at 6 p.m. I I watch him die, um, and I just sit in my stand until seven, and then I go and get him. Right, see him, hold hold him, do all the pictures, all that jazz. Like assuming that you close your shop at seven or it's an hour away or whatever. Like he can't get to you at night that night. So the idea then would be to. Um, get them, get them cooled down. If you if it's temperature, hot, hot temp, like anything over 50 degrees, 40 degrees, get them, get them cooling down. Um, do not hang them by his feet and stuff ice in there. Do not hang them by his neck. Um, if you have to hang them by his feet, just don't stuff ice in, right. Cause you yeah. can, you can still just hang them upside down. Right. Yeah. Right. That's the okay. best way to do it. And I'll,
1: okay. I'll even tell people to, if you don't want to skin the whole thing out, you know, if, if, you, you know, say you shot him in the livery, You had to let him sit for two hours. Now it's 10 o'clock and you found them. If you just want to get him, get the front, get the cape skinned off the front, just go like, when you hang him up, just do your circle around, you know, the sternum there and go front and then leave the rest of your hang till the morning. If you want to do that, that's the, that's another option. And because the, the, you know, the meat, the meat will last much longer in, you know, 45 degrees than the skin will. So that's, Mm. that's, that's, okay. You know, I I've I've done that on my personal gear before, like you just get, you know, Yahoo and carrying on and next thing you know it's ten o'clock and you're like, well I had to get this thing at least the front half skinned out so I can get it in the freezer yeah. and then it can hang till tomorrow.
0: Okay. That's a great point because I was gonna ask that. Like, cause I mean, there's been I've had some dicey scenarios where you're like I'm going to hang this deer up, but I know it's going to be like 55 or 60 degrees tomorrow. But I also know it's going to be like 30 at night. So it should be cool. It should hold like, I'm going to hang it in the shade. Like I really hope this is going to work. And then, you know, you end up smelling that deer when you get home and you're like, okay, it's still fine. I can take the meat. Whereas like, like you said, the meat will last much longer than the fur and the skin, the hair and the skin. So then, um, so ideally you get that deer back out of the woods um, and ideally you drag it or you throw it on a four wheeler or whatever, get it out of the woods and then you hang it up that night. And the next morning, do you cape it out? Like, would you recommend people to cape it right away that night or just wait until the morning, then cape it out the next morning?
1: It depends how cold, like if it's like, you know, 25 or 30 degrees that night and it's going to be outside or in an, in an open barn or something like that, like 25 or 30 is it'll be fine to do it in the morning, but anything. I I don't personally let my deer go anything over 30 just because it's I just feel like it's not worth yeah. the risk to me. Sure. Like okay. you know, 40, 45, that's you'd probably be all right, but that to me is pushing it. Like that's a little yeah. bit more. I, I yeah. always try to be safer than not. It's, okay. it's it doesn't take that long to skin one out. Like and I don't think. I mean I do a lot of them, but it doesn't take a lot <laughs> it doesn't take that long just to make it like I'll take the the half hour or forty five minutes of lost sleep to make sure that my dear mouth, even if I wasn't a taxidermist, isn't going to be ruined because of shit. Yeah, I got to go to bed. Like,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. Like, and that's the scenario we're laying out. Like, by the book, so get it hung, get the get it caped out, um, and get that cooled down. Get it in a fridge. Get it to thirty degrees, like or a freezer or something. Right. right. Overnight, and then get it to you the next morning. Right. Yeah and and
1: like i said like my, i have that that fridge in the garage that that stays 38 or whatever and it, it can stay in there for a day or so if you wanted to and that, and i i keep saying i'm going to do this and i haven't done it yet a lot of tax hunters still have a walk-in cooler that like like if i'm hunting and you shoot a like you shoot a buck in the morning and i'm hunting that afternoon when you want to drop it off you can just dump it in this walk-in cooler and i can get it when i'm done hunting but i haven't right. done that yet just cuz I didn't think it was necessary really, but not yet anyway.
0: Sounds expensive. It's very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's got to play a role in that too. Like, hey, man, I can do the business without having a walk in cooler. It'd just be really freaking handy if I had a walk in cooler. Yeah.
1: But I mean, a walk in cooler would be great for things, but just not, I mean, not for like, you know, 10 grand or something. I don't know. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. So. exactly. Um, there's a, a an old coworker of mine. He used to do show cattle, and he had mm-hmm. to walk in, walk in coolers just for the cattle. Wow! Did you? Did, yeah, yeah, I had no idea. They will put the cattle in the coolers. Why? Um, weeks, yeah, weeks before. Wow. Weeks before they uh they show them so that their <laughs> hair grows thicker and oh. more lush. Yeah. So they look a lot better. I yeah. He is talking to me about it. I don't know like how the coolers are designed or anything, but he's like, yeah, we get them in the coolers for a few <laughs> weeks and like, and everything a few hours a day or something. I don't know what it is, but he's like, it makes their hair come in really nice. So yeah, then that they nice. show better. So if you ever know anybody run into that, like maybe like, or, or if you're out there and you need a, you need a quick cooler and you know, a farmer, like maybe they'll have one of those <laughs> hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh,
1: the guy that, that taught me taxidermy. He actually, um, he lives like an hour from me, and he found this warehouse that was going out of business, and they had all these. They weren't coolers; I forget what they were, but they were these little insulated rooms. And it was like a, I think it was eight by eight or ten by ten, whatever. It's not very big, but he bought these four walls and the ceiling of this little room. He made the concrete pad himself. And then he cut a hole in it and he figured out there's some sort of like resistor thing you can buy for an air conditioner, like a window air conditioner. And it'll take it down to like 38 degrees. So he bought this little little room thing, whatever you want to call it. I don't, it's like a shed, but it's, you know, thick metal with insulation and put this window unit in the side of it, cut a hole and he made himself a little, a little homemade uh, walk-in cooler. And he, that's what he used. He said, it's the best thing ever. And it cost him... I think he said the resistor thing was like fifty bucks, and then the the room that he bought from this warehouse going out of business was like eight hundred. And like, I never find stuff like that. I never find. <laughs> that, but.
0: Right. Yeah. No, you always hear about everyone else's great buys. You just never have yeah. them yourself. Yeah, they never. Just <laughs> talking to a
1: kid the other day about wheels for my truck. He's like, "Oh, I found they were these were nice." He's like, "I found these for five hundred bucks on Facebook Marketplace," and like.
0: I never find
1: that. People want more <laughs> than new the stuff I
0: want. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Or, or when you're trying to sell them, everybody wants the deal. You're like, Hey, I want a thousand bucks for these, for these wheels. And people are like, well, I'll give you 300. Yeah. Right.
1: Exactly. And will you no. deliver them
0: three hours from here? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. The best one I ever, the best one that I get all the time. And I'm just like, how stupid of a question. Like it's such a bad question, but I'm sure it works and I can't believe it does. But it's hey, what's your bottom dollar on this? Yeah. I'm like, dude, I listed it for a thousand bucks. My bottom dollar is a thousand bucks. Yeah. Like if and I always say you're you can offer me less, but no, I'm free to reject it. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: So I'm like starting off asking yeah. for the bottom dollar is not the best way to go about that.
0: <laughs> no, no. Just throw, yeah, just you got to throw out a number because usually that means that the person's willing to pay full price, but they want to know if they can get a deal. <laughs> yeah. That's usually what that means because otherwise yeah. they would say, they would throw out a number and if they were like, if I wanted a thousand bucks and they wanted to buy it for 800 or something like that and uh, and they're like, hey, I'll give you 800 and I just say, yep, I'll, I'll take that yeah. deal and they would have been like, shit, I should have offered them 600. <laughs> you know, like they always. I should have asked him what his bottom dollar was, because then it might have been six hundred, and I would have been able to get it. Like, well, if they offer you eight hundred, and you're willing
1: to sell it for eight hundred, that's much quicker than you getting mad at them saying, "Oh, what's your bottom dollar?" And now you don't even want to talk to the person. Like you instantly really, don't even want to sell to them anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I mean it's just a terrible question. Like yeah, yeah from a negotiation standpoint, you know the the person who names their price first usually loses when you're selling on yeah. Facebook marketplace the seller picks the price and then if it's been up there for multiple weeks you know there's very likely negotiation power if it's been up there for a day you're probably not going to be able to negotiate very much right, right? so like definitely weeks not, months yeah. like
1: oh, stupid thing <laughs>
0: <laughs> right there there's our uh, there's my financial tip for the week <laughs> um,
1: for less than what it's worth
0: (laughs) yeah um all right so yeah i mean that's i guess we we kind of we covered a lot with the best practice right um and then and if that was if you shoot the buck of a lifetime get that cape off right away that day that afternoon that night get it off as soon as you can um and then get it cooled and get it to the taxidermist as fast as possible essentially right don't drive around with your truck bed don't hang it don't hang it from the neck Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't hang it in the sun. <laughs> Don't hang it in the sun. Yep. Yep. All right. Any so then I have to ask, like, what are some of your like like stories about the worst? Like, dude, this like I got this thing in and it was awful. Didn't even I looked at it, said, nope, not doing this. Um <laughs> or or like some really some of your stories on taxidermy. Like, I would like to hear some. I had not a lot. I've I've heard a lot of
1: weirder stuff from other guys, but some of my, the one worst, as far as like a deer that came in, a guy, and he, I think it was either his first buck or like his first nice buck or whatever. And this was an older, I mean, he was probably 60 something. He was not a young guy by any means. And he's like, oh, you know, this, this kid in my camp, he knew how to cape it out for me. And he had it all rolled up in a trash bag or whatever. And he pulls the thing out and the kid, like, first of all, they drug it with a rope by the neck behind a four-wheeler so he had all the hair pulled off the neck and the shoulders was the first thing i saw and then i unrolled the skin and the kid like like i was saying about don't cut it down the back of the neck like he did that like halfway down and stopped so it was like you know six inches from the back of the head it was cut and then he cut the the neck off of the body with an axe but he didn't hit the meat most of the time. He, there was like four big, like, ten to twelve inch long gashes through the front of the deer's neck where the axe went through the skin. So <laughs> the, the thing had like right in the front of the mount where you're going to see everything. It had these big giant cuts across its chest or its neck, and then all the hair drug off the neck, all the hair drug off the shoulders, and it's all cut up from this kid that knew what he was doing.
0: Oh and my god! I told
1: the guy. Like, I, I, I'm like, dude, I, I felt bad. Cause like I said, it was his first deer, or first nice deer or whatever. I'm like, I can't mount this. I'm like, I will not put my name on this thing. Like trying to sew it back together. It to looked like Frankenstein. And I'm like, we're, I'm like, I'll, you know, we're going to have to try and find a replacement cape or whatever. And I, you know, that's what I end up doing. I bought a replacement. He bought it. Actually. That was, that was one that he bought, but I bought a replacement cape and, and, you know, I mounted it for him. It was fine, but like, I felt bad. Cause I'm like, dude, I can't, I will not put my name on, like, that's my, you know, my business card on your wall forever. Right. And I don't want, want it looking like, and it's none of that damage is my fault. I can't make that stuff look right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like yeah. I've had people ask me to do pets and stuff, pets that aren't even dead yet. And I thought that was kind of weird. Like, no Oh, shit. If my dog, like when my dog dies, can you mount it for me? And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that's super weird to me. But, do they like want a full, like a full body mount of their dog. Yeah. Just sitting, like sitting next to the fireplace or laying down, like on the, on the, you know, on the, their, yeah. their bed or their whatever that the dog, just weird stuff. I had a lady contact me. She had a, you know, those giant rabbits that people have as pets. Yeah. Like they're huge, like 20 pound rabbits. She had one of those that had died and she wanted that mounted. And I did not do that either. Like pets just near, people are too emotionally connected to that. That's not, something I want to mess with. If, if it turns out not looking exactly how they think it should look in their head, like it's just asking for trouble.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. That would be a hundred percent on the emotional side. Like yeah. my bunny's nose didn't look exactly like that. He had a little twitch to it and it looked like yeah. this. And you'd be like, well, yeah. I'm sorry. Like I can't help that. And yeah, this like, is that's how like, it came out. Well, I'm not that's... paying for it.
1: What? Yeah. And people <laughs> charge a lot of money. I know a lot of people that do, Tax army, you know, pet tax army, and they charge a lot of money for them because of that. Is that yeah. tries to deter people from it because it's just nobody enjoys it. Nobody I know that does it is like, yeah, this is cool. Like is they're favorite. like, I charge twice as much as I like. Like if it was a, a cat, I charged twice as much as I did for a bobcat, you know, the same size or whatever, just to try and get this lady to to not do it, and she still wanted her cat done. And so they're like, well, I'm gonna make a ton of money, so I'll just do it, but nobody enjoys it oh, at least nobody i know anyway maybe somebody
0: out there does right that's going to be your uh that's going to to bring this full circle that is going to be what's going to get you to full time and just like, <laughs> old and twenties and you do do a pet a month and charge like five grand right yeah <laughs> maybe if that was the case i might think about it but <laughs> oh man all right well um What about, um, what about the, uh, the trade, the shows, like the competitions? So, I mean, is that, it sounds to me like, like how those work is, is everybody, you know, actually explain it to me before I put my assumption out there. Like, are you (laughs) using, uh, like somebody else's deer and you're like, Hey, I did a really good job on this. I would like to submit this. Or are you doing a deer that you shot or how does all that work? Yeah. Me personally, I use my own deer. Um, there's a lot of guys that do use customer
1: pieces, whether it's a deer, bear. I mean, any animal. People bring everything to these shows. But I personally use my my personal deer only because if I'm going to spend all that, I mean, I got twice as many or three times as many hours. I probably have close to 100 hours into my competition deer. And if I'm going to spend that much time on something, like nobody's going to want to pay me for that that time so like yeah. I figure when to spend that much time I might as well do it on my own personal stuff that I get to enjoy
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then also <clears throat> the another reason is like all my competition deer I do on floor pedestals so they're not on the wall ever like for mm-hmm. a competition I've ever done a deer on the that hangs on the wall and I very very few floor pedestals for customers because they're expensive. They're a lot of money to, to build or, or have, you know, even if you bought a pre-made one, they're still expensive. Yeah. But so I, I use all my personal deer and I've done, I've done a couple of raccoons. I've done a Fox. Um, I guess that's about it that I've done. Ma- mainly what I compete with is deer, but I've done some other stuff too. Just, just to try and change it up a little bit. And I got some stuff I'm going to do this year. That's, that's a little bit different and, and new, but, um, no, I use my own deer, but there is guys that use more stuff.
0: Okay. So then, I mean, you spend, you mount it, you spend a ton of time on it. You do all your secret sorcery and magic tricks to make it look beautiful. Right. Um, And then you put it up there. And then how does the, how does that, how does the competition portion go? Do judges just walk around and pick which ones they like? Or how does that go? Um, So they, like in Pennsylvania, I mean, they're all the same, but in Pennsylvania, we usually have
1: around 300 pieces entered in the show so it's fairly big like there's a lot of a lot of animals in there and there's there's different classes there's amateurs there's professional which is like pretty much everybody like if you're not like once you win as an amateur you have to move up to professional so professional is pretty much everybody until you win and then you go to masters which is the highest of the highest so 99% of people probably 90% of people are are professional and what they score on is, that, which is what takes so much longer than a customer deer, is like everything, anything you can imagine anatomically on a deer, they will take points off for if it's not right. If it's the eye shape isn't exactly how it should be, the ear muscle shape isn't exactly how it should be, uh, like the inner nose detail, like where the skin meets the inside of the nose, like the septum. Um, yeah. you know, the detail on the on the nose pad itself, the the bottom lip, I mean every hair patterns, like every like a, I don't know what like um a, a good example would be like if you look at a deer, like if you get a really good trail camera picture of a deer up close his face, like his not so much in the summertime now, but like later on once her hair gets a little longer, on the bottom of their ear muscle, there's a there's a hair pad, two hair patterns that meet and they make like a little bit of a a point. And like that has to be right where it's supposed to be. And like, there's a little hair pattern at the corner of their ear or their corner of their antler. That's right where it's supposed to be. Like the antlers have to be at the right angle coming off their head and like anything you can imagine and probably some stuff that you can't imagine on how to make a deer look like a live deer. And they have a score sheet that says, you know, your the bottom corner of your eye was not where it was supposed to be. It should have been here. And they'll draw a little diagram that it should have been, you know, an eighth of an inch further back or front or whatever. And they, like everything. You basically you start at a hundred, and they take points off from there. Gotcha. And then like they'll add points for artistic. Uh, like if you do a floor pedestal that has a nice flow to it, and it's not just like a deer on a stick kind of thing. <laughs> like, like they're that's it. i mean that's the like you could spend. There's guys that spend a, a lot more time than I do on their like I'm, I'm, I've been competing I guess for five years now I think six years something like that this will be my yeah two, 2015 I started so what's that seven years I guess okay
0: but, yeah
1: are, are seven, you in the professional or the master class I'm still in professional yeah I'm, okay there's it's it's very difficult to get to a master's I I got this past year I got an 89 so I was one point out of I had a, a second place but I was one point out of being in first place so I was close but just not close enough and that's yeah.
0: so then that's, and when you, you said when you get to first place then you can bump up to masters well no that's you have to be like it's a scoring
1: thing so like you can be in it's not like there's not one second place in one first place like there's there's you know there might be 10 deer with blue ribbons with first place ribbons which is a 90 or higher score but the guy that has the highest is the only one that goes up to masters so oh. like like if there's you know, I don't know, I don't know how many deer we usually have, but say there's 50 deer and in the, in the professional category, like you'll have, you know, three with a blue ribbon, you'll have, you know, 15 or whatever, 20 with a red, and then you'll have third, the rest will be yellows or a white is a fourth place, which is less than a 60 or less than a 70, but there's very few of them. They're usually one or two, but the majority of people are in that yellow and re- the second and third place category. So you got you have to be the best of the best to, to move up to masters. And then once you're in masters, now you're the lowest of the best, <laughs> right?
0: You're, yeah. You're, so then,
1: you're starting all over.
0: So then, okay. So I, you said in 89, like, uh, does a, does a, a low nineties usually win a professional, like a 92 or 93?
1: Usually. Yeah. Usually 93 or 94 is like the highest you can, most people get like, um, my, a real good friend of mine won, he had a fisher so that obviously wasn't a deer that was a small mammal category but he won he took it to like, like five different shows and the highest he had was a 98 and that's the highest i've ever heard of anyone getting and but he's also he had it anywhere from he won everything everywhere he went but he had anywhere from a 92 to a 98 and and i mean he did really well with that but that's that's kind of unusual <laughs> that's right most people that winner in a ninety-four, you might see like a ninety-five or six, but most are like ninety-fours, because okay. they just don't want don't want you thinking it's perfect. So
0: <laughs> Right. So if you're in a master class, the is almost everybody in a master class getting like a ninety-two. Yeah. Like you're the masters is obviously
1: the best of the best. So like they they will score you very, very hard in the masters, like every every little tiny detail that they might kind of brush over and just like maybe not take a point off, but they'll note it on your score sheet. In a professional, you know, they like a deer has, I think it's 27. I'd have to look in my book, but I think it's 27 little uh, glands on the bottom eyelid and the top eyelid. And if you don't have that in the professional, they don't like, as long as you have them on there, they don't care as much as if you don't have the exact number that you're supposed to have. In masters, you got to have it the exact number that you're supposed to have. And that's with everything. Like they have it right down to every last little hair in the masters.
0: Dang. That's wild. Yeah. So you'll get like masters, like a bad, a bad master's score would be like an 85.
1: Yeah. Like there's usually very few red ribbons and or second places in masters. It's and that, that, and, and even a red ribbon, a second place in a masters is still like an extremely, very well done deer or yeah. any animal.
0: Right, right, right. Okay. No, that's yeah, I had no I did not know anything about those shows. And that's cool to know. Like you when you go into taxidermy shops, a lot of times they'll display all their ribbons. Right. Yeah. So essentially you're looking for people with blue and red ribbons. Yes. And and a lot of times you'll see guys
1: that like I there's a guy that's not far from here that he I don't he might do a little bit of taxidermy still, but he doesn't really do much. But he used to compete. And a lot of times, you'll see, if you look at the dates on these ribbons, they'll be from like forty se- or forty-seven years ago. And like this guy's like, "Oh, that's nonsense. It's stupid. You're a waste of time." To like, and you can obviously tell that they had a bad experience. They thought they should have won, and they didn't. And then they never went back, and they thought competing was dumb. But it is what it is. But people do, you know, people obviously you're competing. You put a lot of heart and soul and time and money and everything into these mounts. So you want to win, but. There's only one person that wins in the grand scheme of things, you know, in each category or whatever. So.
0: Right now yeah, that makes sense. Um, All right, cool. Well, Chad kept you for an hour. We've been going a little bit over an hour. I know you got to, it's late for you running back. Got to get back. Um, What Uh, if people want to find you where, what's the best place to find you? Uh,
1: I put, I don't really use Facebook much. I use Instagram the most. Just it's just houseworth taxidermy on Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook. That's just my name, but, I, and I have a Facebook taxidermy page, but I don't, I'm not the greatest with that. I don't put a whole lot on there, but okay. that for Army, also, if you want to see it, I usually do like a mass upload when I get, when I think about it of pictures, but, um, yeah, Instagram's probably I'm most active on that. So,
0: okay, perfect. Yeah. And I will throw, I'll throw your, uh, your handle in, uh, in the description below. If you guys want to check out some of, uh, Chad's work. You can go do that. He's got a bunch of it on there. Looks really good. A lot of it looks good at least. Thank you. Looks good in photos. I'll have to inspect it <laughs> in person sometime, Chad. Definitely. I'd look at it and be like, Yeah, I don't know. Is this a ninety-three? <laughs> this sounds yeah. great. I give you a big head. I'll be like, I think this is probably a ninety-four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I'm always happy with uh with
1: compliments that always makes me feel good so
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds, sounds good has there been um any last question I'm trying to wrap this up but I just thought of another one has there been any like crazy big or crazy wild stories that people tell you that bucks bucks that have come in uh usually I can tell not necessarily crazy super crazy stories but
1: like you can tell when there's a fishy deer story because like just the way obviously the way a person's acting the way they're behaving and stuff but then like they drop it, like i i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing i remember a lot of this stuff like in november when you drop your deer off and then when you pick it up in may or june like the stories don't match like i remember that and it's like yeah hmm, i wonder what the real story is because something changed in those 6 months so right i get a lot a lot of that but you always get some that's like hmm that sounds a little bit fishy like you know, they shoot it out your kitchen window or out the <laughs> truck window or what. But I, I, I go a lot with the uh, "don't ask, don't tell" thing. If I don't know it, I can't get in trouble for it. So if I don't care. As long as it's got a tag on it and it's legally tagged,
0: I don't want to know anything else. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, it's I, like yeah. I mean, what are you gonna do? Call in everybody who sounds weird? Hey man, this yeah. guy sounded weird. Hey, this sounded weird. Like, and I, mean, I don't. Yeah.
1: I don't want to deal with that.
0: I don't want to yeah. get anybody in
1: trouble, but I also, I don't need to hear your two or three different stories in the course of the time that I talked to you. And then I just sit there and think about it.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, no, yeah, it's true. You're like, yeah, man, do I call this guy? Do I not? Like, fuck, I don't know. Like this shit's not right. I and I don't want to be around. I don't need like, I don't need them because they
1: can like in Pennsylvania, I don't know about every other state, but Pennsylvania, once you're like licensed, and registered to stop as a tax number. They can just show up at any time and go through your freezers. So like, I got to make sure everybody else's stuff is legit when it comes in, and like I've already turned people away because they they you know they shot a fox out of season or a or whatever it may be you know and it's like yeah well I mean if you if you want to wait till it's in season and drop it off I don't I won't ask ask anything or say anything but I'm not taking a fox you know in September like our our fox and predator season doesn't start till the end of October or whatever but like I'm not. (laughs) I try and tell people like I'm not, I'm not getting in trouble for you. So, right, I'm, I'll I'll lose the business over that. I'm not, it's not worth getting in trouble. I don't need fines. I don't need the game warden bothering right. it.
0: So, I'm also yeah, and I'm also not going to protect you either. Like if they come and ask questions, I'm gonna we'll be like, this is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. what happened? I don't like I'm not like
1: I'm not taking the fall for for somebody. Right. Especially people that. Like you said earlier, like they don't want to pick their mount up for four months or whatever, or they want to complain about the price. That's definitely not somebody I'm gonna gonna lie to the law for. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Like, no
0: shit. No don't. shit. All right. Well, cool. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for the time, Chad. Appreciate it. Um, and yeah, like I said, houseworth taxidermy, it'll be in the uh it'll be in the show notes here. You can go ahead and click on that or copy and paste it, check them out. Um, thank you everyone for listening. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed the podcast, like, subscribe, uh, and, and check this out every week. And thank you, uh, or, or again, like if you can, you know, I hope, I hope everyone listening gets an opportunity, at least at the buck that they're chasing this year, at least gets an opportunity. You might miss, you might fuck it up, which (laughs) most of us do. (laughs) Let's be honest. At some point we all do. Um, but if you get that one, get that cape off ASAP and get it to your taxidermist and probably have a taxidermist in mind, have somebody in mind. So you're not scrambling the next day to try to figure out what to do. Right. Do yeah, you ever have people thing. do that? Did they come visit you without an animal? Uh, I've had people call me, not necessarily come visit me, but I've had okay. people call me
1: just say, Hey, even if they're going out of state guys say, Hey, what do I need to do to bring this thing home to you? I want you to mount it or whatever mm. stuff like that. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for preparation i'd rather have that than than somebody call me at 10 o'clock at night being like hey what do i do with this thing
0: <laughs> right yeah i shot an elk now what do i do like, Yeah. I don't, uh, dude, yeah, called I it, yeah. <laughs> no great point great point all right well thank you everyone we'll catch you next time